0: Today we are recording live during the spring event, our joint event for our employees and business partners, so welcome. Uh, Today we are going to talk about working in a distributed team and in order to do it I invited very special guests that will now introduce themselves. Artur. Yeah, so my name is Artur Glier. Uh, I've been here for a
1: while. Uh, I'm an Android developer. Uh, I work for TV New at the moment. Um, yeah, and I was lucky enough to work uh, in many teams and with many people across Tripsted. So maybe that's why I'm here.
0: Uh, Mark?
2: Hi, I'm Mark. Uh, I'm head of engineering for Core News Product. We are around 70 people building apps, websites, tools for journalists for all our media houses. I've been here a year. I've been working in many companies, in many setups in regards to remote and distributed teams. Hope I can share some experiences. Sure, Joanna.
3: I'm Joanna, I'm a full-site JavaScript engineer, uh, currently working with Bergen Steedende. I've been in ShipState for about three years now, and I just changed location recently, so that's probably why I'm here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm Robert, Uh, I'm a communication specialist at ShipState Polska, and I'm also a host of Beyond the Code podcast. I hope that you already subscribed to it. I will check. (laughs) Uh, and I also work in a distributed team environment since my start in Shipset. Uh, three people in across all different locations and so we are now going to go into that. By the way, mm, uh, when we started discussing between ourselves and prepare for today's podcast, we had a dis- discussion about whether we are distributed or remote team. That's actually what Mark suggested. So could you tell us a little bit what's your opinion on that and uh, do you think, for example, that my team that is uh, one person in each location is uh, distributed or rather remote?
2: So I think you you work in a remote team, everyone is in a different location, everyone communicates in the same way, there are no sub-teams forming in each location, everybody operates in the same mode. Mm -hmm. In my area, for example, we have multi-site teams. So usually there are two, in some cases three locations where people work from, and you see small sub-teams forming in each location and it's always easier to communicate uh, with the people sitting next to you and those people tend to communicate more.
0: Yeah, Angela, you mentioned your very special situation that uh, you work uh, still for the same team in Krakow but you moved to Gdansk so you are now like a satellite in Gdansk.
3: Yeah, I guess we had we had it easier with the team because we already knew each other. So we had already patterns in place of working, so it didn't change that much. The thing that is different is that now the equipment, the video conferencing, is so much more important. It's important to have good quality video and voice. Uh, So yeah, we always struggle to find rooms, for example, for ad hoc meetings. But it can be done. And it's, it's pretty, we're working in a good way, I think.
0: Okay, so you both, of course, attend a lot of meetings uh, and it it depends on the team setup. Um, We don't uh, need to go into that. But uh, the most important thing are your experiences on that. So what kind of meetings in a distributed team environment uh, are the hardest for you? Uh, Are those daily that you have to really spend those 15 minutes or five minutes? I don't know what is the exact setup of yours or uh, retrospectives? Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about your experience?
1: Um, well, um, you know, it depends, uh, actually. Um, I guess uh, the only meetings I, I do hate is the not-so-meaningful meetings. Uh, I mean, the meetings when basically what happens is waste time, like there is no resolution, there is, there is like uh, no added value. Uh, so, so, so these are the meetings I, I really hate. But uh, that just takes some principles that people follow and then they just know that if they set up a meeting, it has to have some, some, some meaning and, and it has to bring a value. So I don't really care if uh, it w- whether it's Scrum or any other methodology and there are some predefined, uh, there is a predefined setup for meetings, but I do care that the meetings are meaningful. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the only thing, uh, the most important thing for
2: me. Yeah, I would agree. You can run bad meetings <laughs> no matter what setup you are in. You, ne- you need to have an outcome of the meeting, agenda, all of that. But I would say retrospectives are the hardest. Mm-hmm. When you need to sort of trust your peers, um, body language manners, add bad VC on that, then those meetings can be pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. So why,
0: why is that? No, because
2: you lose that dimension when you, you speak over VC or in person. Mm-hmm. Like the small cues you make when you speak, uh, they get lost. So I would say retrospectives or meetings where you give feedback Uh, yeah
0: brainstorming is also really hard yeah Uh, yeah actually it's much easier if you post it and so on you can really bring the interaction to the whole level if you are at the same location yeah whiteboard is so much
2: more (laughs) flexible
0: than uh whatever tool
2: you use Mm -hmm. for sure
0: and Joanna from your experience
3: so we never had a retrospective online in the current team not while i was in Kraków not now so it's only whenever we meet in person, we do a retrospective, probably because it's easier because you have the posted notes and then you see everybody and everybody's in one location. That's It is far easier to communicate.
0: Of course, uh, the main thing in the distributed team is not meetings actually, but the daily communication. And it's also a really demanding thing to do. Of course, we all use Slack, but uh, how we use it is uh, very very important thing in order to get it functional and uh, can you also tell me a little bit how it's in your team and what are your experiences and some struggles you had with uh, the setup
3: so in our team the daily communication the daily meeting the stand-up is pretty important and i think we are trying to do it over vc as much as we can because if you see the people you're working with, you build a relationship with them, they tend to care more about what you do, you care about what they think of what you do, and that that let us build better products. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, we usually do Slack and ad hoc meetings.
0: Yeah, but uh, of course uh, you have some general channels or technology channels where everyone can share, but you can easily end up in many private conversation or private channels with a limited number of people. I think it's important to be very conscious about what channel you use.
2: Some teams I work with actually have decided what information goes where and are very conscious about that. Some teams sort of try to police themselves so when they put things in their private channel they are somebody's raising um, the topic of oh, maybe this should be public at least they are aware but i haven't seen anyone using slack awesomely me, myself included it's really hard to find where to
0: communicate what. It's also balanced, because if everyone puts everything in a public channel, so you get hundreds of notifications and everyone automatically stops reading everything. Um, and When you move to private, you also need to repeat uh, to many people, so you also get into trouble, right?
2: Yeah. So Slack maybe is good for quick uh, communication where you expect response um, soon. And then maybe you use your issue system to document issues and have longer running discussions or a Google Doc or whatnot. But I don't find Slack as a good channel for long, longer running discussions. It gets lost.
0: So if you end up in a longer discussion, do you move outside? Yeah, or, uh, I think, so I think
2: usually s- someone raises that yeah. this should be taken elsewhere or maybe a real meeting, mm-hmm. which a lot of us don't like. But I think we should push ourselves harder because that's the most bandwidth type of communication. It's easier to resolve things.
0: And what are your opinions, Arthur, on the communication on the team? I also, uh, well,
1: I, I think everybody agrees that Slack is an amazing tool, uh, but I think that Slack uh, has the same issue as uh, Trello, for example. I mean, pretty much everybody uh, you know, loves Trello and says that Trello is an amazing tool, but then nobody knows how to use it. <laughs> Uh, because it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it has some very basic principles, but then you have to like glue this together to, to actually uh, fit into your workflow. And what happens with Slack, and the worst thing about Slack, is that it's very difficult to get back to communication. Like, uh, what, people, what, what, pe- what people do is usually they, they just uh, scatter the, uh, they just, they mix, uh, mix topics on the very same channel, and they talk about very very different things, and it's very difficult to get back to some meaningful information uh, and, and find something. So uh, actually, uh, I told you yesterday that uh, I got inspired by, by a new tool uh, done by the, by the creator of Todoist, which is called uh, Twist and it's a Slack, Slack-like uh, communicator, but it's, it's done in a way that it's, it's with named threads by default. So actually what happens is that people talk not in channels, but in topics. And I started this uh, this thing uh, recently in one of our projects. And what I do is I force, basically force people uh, <laughs> to communicate in this particular topic channel for this particular um, yeah, topic basically like GDPR for example. And what happens is that everybody that is interested in this topic talks about this topic in this particular channel. and It actually works uh, quite good, but then it's not the perfect tool for like documentation and reference. So you, you, you probably have to have some sort of uh, much more much better accessible document
2: or uh, tool and it's never about the tool in the end it's about it's about other people. people yeah yeah
1: yeah also uh, one thing that, sorry uh, but I kind of remind myself one one thing that i really hate about Slack is the the what people do uh, when they talk in private uh, they, they create this private direct uh, you know uh, channels And what happens is that uh, they just don't remember which of the private uh, channels was it like uh, they just talk to four people but then they talk to five people and then they talk to three people but they never know which of the channels was it like so so they abuse direct messages basically and you should talk in open channel
3: i think there's one more advantage to slack channels to public slack channels if you are really a remote worker then you don't have the office Around you you don't you cannot listen into conversations and but you can find a slack channel. That's uh, Related to what you're doing next or what you're interested in and you can listen in on the conversations on the channel and that's pretty Important
0: when you are now a satellite in task, uh, Do you ask questions to your team members more often? Because you cannot hear what they are talking between each other or is not not the case because you already built some principles for communication on Slack, for example,
3: I think we we've always used Slack for asking questions when you don't need the answer right away. But right now, I see also that uh, we do more VC and do more uh, Slack screen sharing. So that's pretty pretty cool because we do more pairing now than we did before.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a paradox. And. Uh, are you also struggling mm-hmm. with number of emails in, um, is, uh, in your opinion, distributed team affecting the number of emails you get or just luck is getting yeah. the job done and actually worse? I've in never had so biggest? few emails as I have now. So yeah,
2: a lot of it is taken via other channels that email. But I think email should be included in the list of communication channels you use. And that's a definitely the best async channel there is. And people tend to read their emails and respond to it.
0: Yeah, and of course, working in a distributed team is uh, sometimes related to management and being a remote manager. So, what are your opinions? How to, for example, set up a team? Do you think uh, a distributed team that actually works in that kind of environment? So, if we start with the question of how to establish rapport with someone you manage
2: or your manager that's not in the same place as you. you need something to build on. It's really hard uh, to just start VCing with people or slacking with people when you have nothing impersonal. You have no empathy for the person, and you don't really understand them. So in the beginning of such a relationship, you need to meet, you need to spend a lot of time together. And that you and that you can build on top of. Mm-hmm. So that's the key. Also know in what channels to take, what communication. Uh, VC is always better than written, and meeting in person is always better than VC when it's sensitive subjects, or when you want to have a more deep conversation, Mm -hmm. and being aware of that. As to building a new team Mm -hmm. (laughs) remotely, that's hard. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. Um, Takes six months for a team to become performing in a good case. Uh, Remotely, I would imagine it takes longer. I've never built a team from scratch Mm -hmm. being distant, but yeah, I would definitely just move myself self over to the location for an extended period of time in the beginning. I don't see how else you can sort of build a team. Not a bunch of individuals working on the same thing, but a team of people working together, and that's a big difference.
0: Yeah, and so actually everyone feels that they're in the same team, they're not yeah. just uh, other departments, they're not mm-hmm. split. It. So uh, we can all agree that uh, that's one of the biggest challenges in uh, this kind of environment. And uh, the question also to, to you, Joanna, uh, how often do you think you, you need to spend time with your team, personally, not via VC, in order to you know still get the feeling that you are the same team? You are in slightly different uh, situation because you already know each other pretty well, but uh, what's your opinion on that?
3: Yeah, I think it's good to meet in person every four to six months at least, just to yeah to have some uh, personal conversation or real conversation in real life. Um, But I don't think that it's crucial to do it more often. Because the conversation flows really well on Slack and on VC because we know each other. But it was really important to go, for example, to Bergen at the beginning of the work uh, to meet the people in person and to get a feeling how they are wired and what they mean when they are speaking to us.
0: And do you agree with that, four to six months, or it's too often? So,
2: I guess it depends on what stage you are in in the team evolution. But in the beginning, I would say once a month, Mm -hmm. uh, once a quarter then, uh, and keep at that. that. But I would say twice a year would be too, too few times at least. In my experience,
1: yeah. So um, <clears throat> uh, in teams that I worked uh, in, what, uh, what happens, what, what what was happening was that we usually had a kickoff, which which lasted for, for several days, and it was enough to build uh, a team spirit and just to drive this uh, this thing um, for for like you know initial months, uh, but then you would have to have you know put something uh, to to fuel this this uh, this engine again uh, so it is important to meet it is important to talk to people uh, but it's also important that there is somebody who sets these kind of uh, rules that people do communicate because it's not it's not that it just happens Uh, I mean usually what I think happens is that people just don't talk uh, people just uh, do these kind of uh, camps, like you know, there's this Krakow camp, Gdańsk camp, and there's this Stockholm camp and Oslo camp and stuff like that. Uh, and there's nothing natural in people that they just talk to each other and share, you know, the the, the events from like yesterday and and, and and you know do these chats and, and stuff. So there is there has to be somebody who is enforcing these kind of interactions. And uh, I've I've been working with uh, two teams that it re- worked really well. It was Vic Club and it was Clark. And I, what I believe is that uh, it was only happening because the people in charge were were caring for this kind of uh, you know interaction. So so they were very like into it, and they just forced us to talk to each other, to meet, you know. So it wasn't natural. You know, it was it was learned. So,
2: so there has to be somebody who... And I'm also... Or I, I think it's important that you don't only meet and hang out and drink beer, but you actually work on something together. And that's how real teams form, you solve problems together. So when you meet, also make sure to solve something, do something, accomplish something of value for your project or product. It's important to socialize, but solving problems together is what forms these uh, stronger bonds.
0: And Arthur also mentioned that silence, uh, for example, on Slack channel. Sometimes, uh, for example, you are working in one team, and but everyone is so focused on yep. their department, especially in the team where you have, for example, one kind of technology developer, uh, one location only. Right? It's, it's much easier to end up in a situation when everyone is so focused on their job, they are losing a little bit of overview. What's your opinion? How to avoid that problems?
2: Yeah, so uh, we always talk about if it's to be, it's up to me. We want people to reach out to each other, share, like drive things themselves. Uh, We've learned that we need to sort of encourage and nudge and create the forums and systems for it to happen. So we are trying to to bring people over to collaborate, um, encourage people to spend time sharing knowledge, uh, telling people, yes, it's okay. You take two days to write that blog post or to arrange that meetup. Uh, we have the budget for it, it's important to us, it's part of our values. So we as managers can do our part of it, but then it's up to everyone with, his, with the knowledge and the competence in these areas to reach out to their peers and try to find common ground and share their knowledge. Yeah, I
1: mean, um, I, I think it relates to the camps thing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you work like in Krakow or in, in Stockholm or you know, the, others, the other place, it's it's very natural to ask somebody like sitting next to you, hey, you know, why do we do this and what should we do and stuff like that, but then not share this knowledge. So uh, so I, I what can fix it is just being aware that this kind of communication has to go through an open public channel, well defined place that people talk about these important things, and uh, yeah, and then it works, but. Uh, somebody has to force these rules and then people need to cherish it
3: so i think especially when there's decisions about a project involved then also everyone from the team should be involved Mm -hmm. because otherwise if you just take the local team or the, the team of product managers or whoever are the top people in the team then Um, the others feel left out and they are less likely to reach out the next time and to voice their opinion.
0: Yeah, I think it's very important what you mentioned, that that every location should have uh, also a feeling that they they can have an impact, right? Sometimes even if uh, something is not a responsibility, area of responsibility for for a certain type of developers for example, they can suggest a new new business idea for and we okay, expect so. people to do that,
2: yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's what we expect from everyone yeah. to feel ownership and to take charge. But there's th- one of the most important things here when you talk about Slack and co- communicating in the written word is a lot of nuance and um, context can be lost. And we've seen many cases. Where people maybe not assume the best intentions of the one that wrote the message. And then misunderstandings can lead to sort of heated debates and sometimes even conflict. So I think that's important that everyone assumes that the one writing something has the best intentions. Then you can ask for clarifications and so on. But we've seen a lot of cases where people assume the worst and then it starts. <laughs> the heated <laughs> slack debates.
0: So of course those are things related to cultural differences, right? Uh, now we as Polish people tend to uh, say that something is okay for something that som- sometimes is awesome or really fantastic, and uh, uh, you guys are slightly different in that so you, you really have many uh, adjectives to describing that something is really cool, right? So yeah, have you f- uh, often found out uh, struggles with the uh, cultural differences uh, if you are. Uh, talking not maybe not in person but on, for example on Slack because uh, if, you know, if you're know if you talking in person you can always make a job out of it and easier understand you know, what someone might have thought but when you only see words that person you might understand them completely different especially as we are also not native English speakers and we are sometimes do create sentences in a different way so that there are several layers of yeah. potential miscommunication there no, did you have any funny situations like that or you know, any struggles? Uh, I think struggle point? is <laughs> struggles is the better word. But
2: again, empathy, both the person writing and the person reading, trying to put themselves in the shoes of the ones they're writing. Assume good intent. Use gifs is always great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you put don't know it on a, how to react.
0: Just put uh, a default uh, like right. Yeah,
2: emojis like yeah. It's yeah, you know, it's not that serious. Often. Yeah, laugh about it.
0: Sometimes be less serious, right? I think it's uh, also good advice to. to And then, if
2: if there's risk for misunderstanding, just take the call. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of us don't like voices and try to stay out from meetings, but it's worth it. Take the call. Mm -hmm. Don't keep on escalating the discussion in Slack. Just get in a room about it and you're done everybody understands each other and you build some trust and a stronger bond
0: yeah we already talk in one of the episodes of the podcast sometimes it's worth to attend 15 minutes meeting in mm. order to save half an hour or hour or even more mm. right so I think that's important principle all right so I think we are closing to end of uh, discussion so thank you very much I would like to really encourage you to subscribe to Beyond the code podcast we are publishing new episodes uh, every second Wednesday, you can subscribe in iOS and Android applications, search for Beyond the Code for that, Uh, and uh, we will of course uh, uh, hear each other in the next few, few weeks.